One of those things that pretty much everyone has in common is food. In some shape or form, everybody has a relationship with food. And that can be good or bad. Food is linked with our survival, with our health. It's part of our culture. It can create problems for many people through either overabundance or underabundance. It's a social centerpiece. It's a basic necessity. It's so many different things to so many different people. Today's guest on the Primal Podcast, Daniel Davey, is probably best known as the performance nutritionist for the Leinster rugby team and the Dublin men's senior football team. Up the dubs. But like so many things, Daniel's relationship with food runs much, much deeper than his professional skill. And his understanding of how food can be used as a tool to influence so many parts of your life, from your health and elite sporting performance to your mood, your emotions, your sense of competence and achievement, and so much more, means that he's used food to develop a deeper insight into how to help people improve their lives. And the last time I checked, that's exactly what we're all about on this podcast. When Daniel came into the studio and we were chatting for a couple of minutes before we turned the mics on, I knew why this guy has been so successful over the last decade, both with his business life and with helping his athletes and clients achieve incredible things. He's one of those guys that gets it. He gets how people work when it comes to learning how to take care of themselves and improve themselves. And he's able to talk to you in a way that helps you get it as well, which in my book is key to being a good practitioner or a good teacher. I genuinely really enjoyed listening to Daniel in this episode, and I'm sure you guys will too. Welcome to the worst self-help podcast in existence. Welcome to our shared journey to try and find the answers to questions about health, wellness, performance, nutrition, life, and success, and to craft the most resilient, hardy, and happy humans you've ever seen. Welcome to the Primal Podcast. Okay, welcome back to the Primal Podcast. I'm joined here today by Daniel Davey. Daniel, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you in here. Daniel, I know you get asked all the time to give, uh, especially over the last couple of years, to give people a recount of how you got into the industry, which is obviously nutrition in your case, and to give us a bit of a backstory. But just to put context on the conversation we're going to have, I'll help you out a little bit. Obviously, you're a performance nutritionist. Um, a lot of people might know you from Leinster Rugby and from Dublin GAA. Obviously, you released your own book there recently. She's so an author as well. Um, and you have a, a website out too. But um, just to kind of reel it back to the, to the, the origin story, I suppose, what brought you down... Uh, this this route of nutrition and food, and I know I know the conversation we're going to have will have a much broader scope than that. But just to to, to kick us off, uh, what what kind of started off your journey and your relationship with food and nutrition? I can't talk about that uh, without mentioning family and upbringing, and you know, I, I I dedicated the opening in my book to my upbringing uh, because of the influence it had on my my beliefs around food, the rituals around food, the preparation of food. It was something that we lived very strongly. Uh, my grandparents and my grandmother in particular, uh, we we spent time planting vegetables uh, and, and, you know, they were dairy farmers. So we collected the milk from the cows uh, in the morning and the evening. That's what we used for our cereal. It was eggs from the hen house. That's what we had for our breakfast. My grandmother made fresh brown bread every day. And that's what I knew. And it's funny, you go away from that for a while when you grow up uh, and then you start going back to it. And I suppose to really cement it, uh, my dad worked 
in the local dairy and had a real interest in health and had an interest in food as well and felt very, very strongly about uh, locally produced food and not wasting food. Um, so all of these things I've carried through. Um, and, you know, sport completely aside, it was those rituals and having such fond and positive memories about um, all of those rituals around the preparation of food and where food came from that uh, definitely had a big influence on me being interested in food as I, as I got older. And then I, I, I can't talk about nutrition without talking about sport. Uh, I was I was driven uh, in, in a way that I can't really explain. I suppose I was... All I wanted to do was was play Gaelic football and I did everything I possibly could to be as good as I could with my own resources um, and in the environments that I was in. And I realised from a very young age, I would say from the age of seven, that nutrition and good food influenced performance. So yeah, that's the kind of background. Okay, very good. Now, most people when they hear you speak are expecting a certain, a certain verbatim kind of the 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 usual. I call it the vanilla stuff. And anybody who knows me or knows this podcast knows that not that we're trying to go underneath or go deeper than everybody else. But there's always more to stories like this. And in, in my own case, it's true. And everybody, everybody who listens to these sorts of podcasts are obviously interested in the, the broader spectrum, the, the not just the why, but the how and the how it's influenced other people in your life and things like that. So I know in, in your particular case, we're having a brief chat before we, we turn the microphones on here that your interest in food professionally now at this stage, after having had years in the industry and uh, and lots of experience from everything from from individual people that you're, you're dealing with to professional sports teams and elite athletes, you've kind of developed a much deeper understanding of the power of food and nutrition and health and awareness of one of the biggest things that everybody in the world does, which is what you put into your body, literally. Um, so what what are some of the the more kind of, I suppose, complex notions and topics that you would often think about when it comes to food or when it comes to the importance of of not just what you eat but how you eat who you eat with the, the time you spend kind of considering the foods that you're going to eat because i know nowadays as i said lots of people are bombarded with information and most of it comes from social media instagram documentaries you even have government bodies giving recommendations and advice so people are completely overwhelmed and usually that's enough for most people to kind of just sit right back and whatever the next buzz hot topic is but obviously in your profession your, your entire career is built around pushing past that with people whether they be elite or just someone who wants to, to, to be healthy and getting to the, the deeper route how, how has that kind of influenced how you do your job and how you've lived your life i suppose there's a lot in all of that um and you're absolutely right uh, so I think what I try and do is I I keep zooming further and further and further out uh, to the point where you start looking at what really matters when it comes to the way we live our lives. And I, I often reference, and I'm sure you've come across them, the blue zones yeah. as, as regions in the world where there's certain factors or variables where that have that have led people to live the longest, most fulfilling lives and what are those variables it's 
it's things like community. It's things like the rituals around food, the rituals around movement. Nothing is overly structured. There's no calorie counting. Nobody is talking about if if certain things fits your macros. It's about the enjoyment of the experience and doing it together. So that's why, again, I talk about my philosophy being around sharing and sharing of information too. And that's why I give out a lot of, of information. So if we look at what really matters, what really, really matters, and we talk about those rituals, it's, uh, it's, it's calories and it's, it's energy. And while the most simple way we can look at health is calorie balance or calorie deficits or, or too many calories, body composition and the way that people approach food is so unbelievably diverse and complicated because of personality, uh, environmental conditions, socioeconomic uh, circumstances, education. I mean, you can go on and on and on. So I, I, I try and take it out and say, okay, if we're to look at the world as a whole, what are the couple of things that we absolutely need to do to live long, healthy lives? We need to be part of something and we need to have purpose. We need to if you look at the variable, and David Katz talks about this all the time, it's it's what you do with your feet. Do you smoke or you don't smoke? How much alcohol are you consuming? And are you uh, in a healthy weight range? And do you eat fruit and vegetables? You know, are you meeting those type of recommendations? And like he keeps he keeps using this reference, and that's enough. Yeah. If you're doing that, that's enough. So while that's enough, uh, and you said we were talking about it a little bit earlier, people are not comfortable with that. And people are constantly on a search for, no, there must be something else. And even when I talk to people in my clinic and I do one-to-one sessions or I do workshops, People are not comfortable with the simple hierarchy of needs when it comes to nutrition, calories, macronutrients, nutrient timing, density, and, a, you know, a percent or two about supplementation. People are always looking. For, and it's not that there's anything wrong with it, but you do have to become content at your, uh, you have to become content with your ritual and with your preparations and, and with your preparation, whether that be food, would that be sleep? Would that be exercise? And it is when you get to that point where you are improving, of course, you're always growing in, in, in certain ways. But when you become really comfortable with that ritual, that is what, you know, if you ask me, what, what is health? That is health. Yeah, that's health. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's then it's it's limiting the noise and knowing who is talking sense and who is going to continue to nurture you and give you information that will help you along that journey. You know, I, I, I walked in here this morning, uh, or sorry, this afternoon, and the first thing I thought to myself was, and, and this is selfish, but I thought to myself, there's something about this room that I can take into my room where I work to make me feel better. There's something about the smell, the color, the tone, the lighting, and there's something calming about it. And that's another, that's where the extension becomes in your health. Yeah, It's the awareness 
of what what matters and and how you can take little bits and pieces and just keep building. It's really, really refreshing to hear you say that because this is something that plays on my mind a lot. And the most recent kind of macro stage for this for me was when I was watching, I'm not a political guy at all, I was watching political debates and you often see these debates and it reminds me when I'm watching these politicians on stage because it's like a drama. It reminds me of seeing people in their natural habitat doing the same kind of learned behaviours that have to kind of resist and defend and deflect and all this kind of stuff. For you to walk into a room and be able to not be not be threatened and say, geez, this is a great room, it's better than my room, but to say, there's stuff I can learn from this room. I often watch politicians, and you've just said there, it's it's fairly simple, not, not to undermine the importance of nutrition and health and all that kind of stuff. It's fairly simple to get most of the stuff in your life right, if you know what you're doing. And there's no real magic behind a lot of it. Now, I know I talked to, I talked to a lot of guys who have really, really scientific, in-depth information, which is great, and it's great to know, and it's, it's, it is fantastic and helpful. But most people are nowhere near that level. They're nowhere near it. And I'm looking at the politicians having the arguments. And I know in the back of my mind, there's other countries and other people that have systems that work really, really well for whatever. Insert area, health, healthcare, for example. And we're so resistant to try and learn and adapt from those for some strange reason. We could genuinely help people in this country by making small changes. And it's the same then when I see people who you talk to them about food or nutrition or injuries in my experience or health or strength and conditioning or anything. They're so resistant to adapt something that somebody else has done because it's almost like, is it they're admitting that they failed in in, in their life up to this point or something they've been doing is wrong? Uh, but but to be in that headspace that you've just described there where you can be open to that, I think is massively important. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd imagine a huge part of your job is not explaining to people what a carbohydrate is and a protein is, but it's trying to help them find that headspace really to, to be open and, and absorb this kind of knowledge. Why, why do you think it is then that we have such an overabundance of bad information online because I mentioned I, I can't remember did we turn the mics on or not but I mentioned the uh, the influencer thing now at the moment with social media even some governmental bodies now we know a lot of that is, is, is money driven and there's, there's underlying themes there but how is there so much bad information and why are people so well I, I think I, I can answer the second part of the question people are, people are desperate for, for help and for answers I suppose but why, why is there so much bad information out there that gets through the cracks if, if nutrition is relatively straightforward, do you, do you think? Well, uh, I I think I'll answer that by saying uh, that what always amazes me, and you, you know this and you'll have met lots of people like this, the people who know the most in their disciplines, you know, when I go to conferences and I hear some of the best speakers talk about protein distribution and, you know, whether it be carbohydrate periodization uh, or, or, or all of these different scientific, nutrition scientific or scientific approaches to nutrition for high performance. The one common theme that I come across is humility. Okay. They're incredibly grounded. And when you speak to them, they're very quick to tell you what they don't know. And if you ask them a question and they're on the stage, they'll say, I, we don't know the answer to that. We, we know what we know, or we know what the findings are of this. And this is why nearly every research study is finished by, well, this is what we found out in this, but now we need to go and research this because yeah. these were the limitations of our study. And I think the reason, you know, I, I, I grew up, you know, one of my closest friends 
um, is Brendan Egan, one of the best researchers in his space in the world. And he doesn't do specula speculation. And good researchers and good scientists don't do speculation. Yeah. They do measurement and they, they, they provide insights on what they find. We now have a world where everybody has a platform to speak and people who have very strong opinions uh, and people who are not afraid to speak are talking about concepts that they hear a little bit about. Yeah. And what absolutely blows me away, and the, one of the best examples I can give of it is sleep. And I, I remember, um, you know, I, I have, I've read books on sleep. I've read research papers on sleep. I've been to seminars all of the rest for five years of, of different exposure because I know that sleep is important and I'm like, I need to know more about this if I'm going to help athletes. Yeah. And I was at a conference uh, uh, organized by the IRFU uh, last year and uh, there was a guy there that does all of his research specifically on sleep. And it was a two-day seminar and I was blown away about how little I actually know about sleep. <laughs> so there I was talking about, you know, b before that, listening to all of the little pieces that we hear in the media yeah. about how we use our phones, yeah. uh, about sleep hygiene and how we approach our routine and all of these things. And most of it is bullshit. Yeah. You know, most of it is not embedded in any scientific papers. And it was just such a good example for me about who the hell did I think I was <laughs> to be talking to people about sleep after going to a couple of seminars and doing a bit of reading about it. Yeah. But that's what people do when it comes to nutrition. Yeah. They they eat, uh, they read the newspapers, they're on social media, they hear somebody else talk about a concept, they think that they like the sound of it. Oh, that's worked for me. That's a case study to the number of one. Um, so... That's what's happened in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, a great insight there. I always say that the one thing I knew when I graduated from college was how little I knew. I was completely flabbergasted. I'm supposed to go now and and treat people and, and even worse, ask them for money for treating them. And I'm so hyper aware of how I know. And even this morning, there was a an, another couple of guys in here doing a podcast. And I don't know if you know Owen Lacey. Have you? Yes. Yeah. Do you know Owen? Uh, I've spoken to Owen countless times. And I've had him on the podcast a few times and we've spoken about sleep. And I still sat there this morning and he was discussing sleep with another guy. And once again, my mind was blown by how little I knew. Mm -hmm. Despite having spoken to this guy multiple times and I've read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. I've listened mm -hmm. to all the podcasts, I've YouTubed it. You feel like you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're well. I know absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. And uh, so I, uh, the name had left my head. This guy is called Jason Ellis and he is uh, he's a practitioner and one of the lead researchers. And uh, it was really funny. Like the, the, the seminars were set up. The idea of the seminars were that we would do a really intensive block. We'd cover the research. We'd cover practical aspects of sleep. And then we would be kind of the, 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 the go-to people to almost link um, people who had issues around sleep or uh, were really struggling with how they managed their sleep schedule and things like that. And what the outcome was and everybody felt the same as this. This is, this is a room full of, you know, there was doctors, there was people who were head of physio. We're talking about well-educated, yeah. smart people. What happened was we actually came to a consensus. We actually don't know enough about this. We, 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 yeah. we are not actually equipped 
to to deal with the deeper issues around sleep. Yeah. So I I, I have lots of one to one conversations with people about what I've learned, but all I am now is a vehicle for that information. Yeah. And I pass on almost verbatim what I've heard from him, but uh, I'm not going around, uh, uh, you know, t- 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 using uh, paragraphs out of Matthew Walker's book. <laughs> yeah, I th- and I think, again, as, as, a, as a practitioner in any field, you'll, you'll confirm this, uh, ap- application of knowledge like that really depends on the case. If you're building a, a nutritional program for, for anybody, it's really individualized for that person. So for me to take a book, and, and I always say to people who listen to this podcast, my, my motivation for starting this podcast was to sit in front of people like you and hear your story and hear you speak and hear you explain your motivations for things like this because I get huge personal satisfaction from this. So this was totally selfish, this podcast. And I always say to other people, because I would I would have gotten my inspiration for something like this from listening to the usual suspects, the Joe Rogans and the Ben Greenfields and these kind of podcasts. And it helped me to, to set a, some sort of framework in my head, right? I need to go and learn about that for me. So that was the, the, the goal here. Um, but I always have the, the caveat in all of these conversations that if Daniel Davies says something on the podcast, I'm, I'm sure it's fantastic knowledge, but it doesn't necessarily mean it is directed specifically at you or you or you. It is to give you a general a general kind of helping hand on the back towards an area where you might be able to learn more about the 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 um, the, the, the subject or the topic or about yourself. And um, when you're when you're I mean, you said that you're a vehicle or a conduit for, for knowledge or information when you're dealing with people, be it one to one or in team. Actually, that's a uh, that's another way to ask the question when you're dealing with a team, especially a high performance team. How do you manage that aspect of it, the highly individualized aspect of it? Obviously, take, for example, uh, the, the Leinster rugby team or, or any rugby team or any football team you're working with. You have to feed all these guys at the same time. You, you, can you have 30 or 40 individual meals and, and, and individual meal plans? Or is it a possibility, because this is performance-based, to, to kind of not generalize, but to have certain rules that work well for a lot of people and then to specifically tweak? How does it work in those kind of, those kind of instances? I, I, I think, uh, th- so you can have kind of key building blocks within nutrition that you, um, that you educate your group on. So your workshops, your practical sessions, your general resources and your reading material cover that hierarchy that I've talked about. So helping, pardon me, uh, helping your out half understand his specific nutrition needs in numbers uh, compared to uh, someone who's in the front row. You know, just generally speaking, we're talking, you know, your average calories and your macronutrient needs, maybe 4,000 calories in the front row. Um, Your out half or your backs are average 3,000, 3,200. So you're talking about a thousand calorie difference. Now, what does it look like in food terms? So here are numerous different recipe plans or food plans or examples of meals that help you achieve these in food terms. Okay. So here are the principles of nutrition that matter. This is energy. This is carbohydrate, like I said er- a little bit earlier. This is carbohydrate periodization, which just means a bit more carbohydrate when you train. That's all it means. And more carbohydrate in preparation for game for games. Protein stays the same. Fat and carbohydrate go up depending on the the level of activity. So you've got all of these principles. I mean, I can talk about numerous ones, protein distribution, you can talk about supplement timing, all of these different things. But they're 
all as much as possible athlete-led. They're the type of things that you refine in your one-to-ones. And one of the, when things are running incredibly smoothly and you're making sustained progress for a period of time, it's not always sustained progress, but it's where you've got an athlete who really owns his own nutrition. So he understands the principles from all the sessions and it's that kind that constant refinement that we're talking about. So it's like, okay, here are the foods that provide me with the calories, the carbohydrate, protein, and fat. Here's my timeline that works well for me on an individual basis. Now here are the specific foods that really work well for me, that fit with my gut, that don't fit with my gut, that I like, that I don't like, and that help me achieve my my goals. So the guys who are really on it, they have their own performance journal. They have one for their training. They have one for their mindset. They Maybe they combine you know, nutrition into some of those or they have a specific nutrition journal. And that continues to grow and that continues to be refined over time. And uh, you only ever cover one specific topic with an athlete at any given time. So let's say, for example, in the off season, you're just helping players manage their weekends and manage the overconsumption of calories and it could be as simple as what alcohols to consume and little things like how many times should we eat on a given day and making sure that you have protein at breakfast and hitting protein so that you offset potential losses in muscle mass so they're really specific but they're specific to time periods and phases in the season but like i said where you really, really, really have the greatest success and uh, anybody that works in, in physio, training, coaches, they all say that it carries through right across. There's nobody who's brilliant on the nutrition side uh, who's terrible, you know, as a, as a trainer yeah. or, or in terms of their overall lifestyle. They, there's, a, there's a theme that will run through. Okay. And let me, because re- I promised you I wouldn't ask you any of the, the, the usual suspect questions, but let me just rephrase a normal question you probably would get. If you are, are applying what you've just explained there with a high-level elite sports team, these are all very, very motivated individuals. And they, yeah. they, they themselves internally have the drive to do whatever. Yeah. If Daniel Davey tells me that I'm going to run 1% faster because if I follow this meal plan, I'm going to do it. If you scale that down, I've, I've like I said, been involved in Gaelic football f- for 20 years at an amateur, obviously an amateur level, a club level. And you have guys who are very motivated, don't get me wrong, and if, especially se- senior level football in most counties. But it's not the same as when it's your job or when, when you're on that kind of national stage and you, you, there's a lot more that goes with the position of playing football. Most of these guys and girls come down two or three times a week because they enjoy it and they want to be part of a team. How, how does that kind of message translate to people like that? Because I'm sure you saw it yourself when you're, when you're playing on these kind of teams. You see guys come in and out and girls come in and out for years with the sheet, carbohydrate, protein, and here's your pre-match meal and go, off you go. And everyone gets that. And you, you can look around the room and you can see 90% of the people in the room, they just, they're still completely flabbergasted. How do you modify something like that for, for, for a bunch of people like that who don't have the same motivating factors? They're just there to enjoy themselves, but they genuinely want the information. They want to understand it. Is there a specific way that you have to tailor or deliver that kind of message? Or likewise, someone who comes into your office as as a as a I call it a civilian, I suppose, not a sports person, um, who is concerned about losing weight, 
but they've no championship to win or they've no time to beat on the track or anything like that. They don't have those motivating factors. Is there another way to, to, to translate that message to these people? Okay, uh, you're talking about, I'd say, uh, certainly two very distinct uh, and, and maybe very different type yeah. examples here. Um, I, I, because I played GA for as long as I did um, and because I've been a part of so many GA environments, I, I, I'll address that one. Um, what you find is that very often within the GA environment, guys are unbelievably committed, but the commitment tends to be through phases uh, and probably for shorter phases than what you'll have in an in, in elite sport. Uh, and things go very badly wrong <laughs> in the off season or, you know, the two months yeah, from, yeah. from, from <laughs> sept September to January and then January is really rough. But, you know, I played in club teams and ultimately what you're trying to do is ensure that you've got enough energy to train and that you are consuming foods that will help you adapt and recover after each training session. So I always use this example, always, and I, I will forever, is that most people have a good idea of what is a good food source and what is a food source that they should limit. They really do. I mean, I've, I've done education sessions for first and second class. You go through foods, children can tell they you. Know. Yeah. They know. So... It, you really do have to, and this is an, uh, we we're going to talk a lot about mindset, but it really comes back to your mindset. How much of uh, of a priority is it to you to perform really well at the weekend? Is it something that you're going to invest a little bit of time in? And if it is, then let's keep it very practical. Let's make sure day to day we're getting enough nutrients by consuming seven portions of fruit and vegetables. Let's monitor our urine color so that we are staying hydrated and that we are actually aware enough that at two o'clock in the day, when we've got time to correct our hydration or at three o'clock, certainly, we're actually checking that. So it's all of these tools that you're building throughout your time, throughout your day, throughout your routine that are reflections of your practice yeah. and reflecting, reflecting your um your behaviours. And I thought it was really interesting. I did a, I did a live last night with uh, Philly McMahon. He asked me to, to come on and do something with his clients. And he referenced the Richie McCaw one where a trigger for him, performance trigger for him was when he put his feet on the ground in the morning. Okay. So that it was, it was connection. It was a starting point. And he really liked the idea. And I have to say, I like it too, where you start again. So what happens when you put your feet on the ground? In the morning, you get out of bed. Do you think or do you not think? Do you brush your teeth? Do you not brush your teeth? Do you hydrate first thing? Is Are your first choices that you make positive choices for your body and for your mind? So the more that you can, more that you realize that everything is connected, every single one of the decisions that we make in any given day, it is, it will have a potential domino effect in the rest of your day. The more that you make of these good decisions, their health-seeking behaviors is what we what they're classically called. The more that we create, the easier it is to maintain that consistency. Yeah. So I mentioned hydration. Um, when I'm working with teams, the meals that I focus on the most tend to be breakfast. Most people have a lunch. What are you having at four or five o'clock, which is a key meal if you're preparing for exercise? And then have you brought something with you for after the training? So 
it's it's all of the really practical stuff. Are you relying on somebody at training to hand you a bottle for hydration purposes? Uh, are you taking that for your own? It's the same for games. So are you doing all of these practical things that are going to allow you to perform better? And I then use exactly the same thing with the individual. What we what the, the, the main thing, if you look at an elite environment, yeah, you can say that if you look at physio, if you look at, sorry, if you look at injury or you look at the physical, there's medical, there's physio. From a, a strength and conditioning point of view, you've got your S&C coaches, nutritionists, yes. But what each one of them are actually doing is providing accountability and they're providing direction. So you need to try as much as you possibly can to create that for yourself. Yeah. So who who are the people that you're talking to about your journey? I've talked a lot about this because it's so critical that you're doing it with others. We we have to, and this is kind of the, the, the why, and that those people will help you remain accountable. So if you want to create an element of accountability and accountability around any aspect, talking about it, and also, and I'm sure you, you know, it's something that you talk about as well, but writing it down. I see your journal over there. If, if you want to execute something, having something written makes such a big difference to how you, the outcome, um, but also are you going to be continue, continually doing it or consistent with it, with that practice. Okay. So my change, so if you, if you were to ask me about my main process around working with my clients this morning in my clinic it's all about self-awareness and a process of previewing and reviewing and I, I talk as well about the the last piece of it is connecting the dots to create a light bulb so the light bulb is allowing that person to figure these solutions out for themselves I like that, yeah. And I was just about to ask you the question. You answered it before I could because the gap that I've always seen is that connection, that light bulb. Because a guy knows if he drinks caffeine, he's going to have an immediate burst of energy. He doesn't understand if he is deficient in vitamin B that he's going to have energy issues down the road because it's not, an, it's not straight in front of his face. And for someone like yourself or anybody who's in the industry, you understand these things. You understand cause and effect. But to not be able to connect those dots, that's a great way of putting it, actually. Yeah. And the accountability piece I love, it's a, personally, it's a huge thing for me. And I'm not great at journaling per se, but I would be fairly good at writing things down. And I know if I don't write that down, it's not getting done. And if I write it down, there's a much higher, it's not guaranteed to be done, but there's a much higher percentage chance that it's going to be done. So it's, it's a lovely way of putting it, actually. And I hope anybody who's listening on my team anyway are, are, are getting their journals out at the moment. Um, a question I had was, Again, to go to go with the, the, the volume of information that's available at the moment, do you have anybody in any of your scenarios coming to you asking about the more obscure side of nutrition? And like nowadays, everybody is an expert on ketogenic diets, intermittent fasting, ve veganism, there's documentaries. We won't go down those roads about getting too deep in the woods there. But do you have people, athletes, normal people come to you who, who want these kind of interventions themselves because a, a lot of people who would have come to me when I was practicing would come in with the answer themselves they want I want to rub on my leg I want you to do this particular therapy with me before we've even said hello and um, so I would imagine with the amount of information readily available that people are probably coming to you with this I it's a two-pronged question are these techniques I suppose something that you would employ and I, that's a loaded question and I'm going to let you answer it yourself and the other side is do people come to you specifically looking for solutions like this because they heard it online or whatever they I want to go keto I want to I want to become a vegan 
uh, the second question is really, really easy to answer because, uh, pardon me, I have been so clear about my philosophy that I don't get people coming to me telling me that they want to try a ketogenic diet or they want to try intermittent fasting. That doesn't mean that I don't get asked about it every single day. Yeah. I do. But people who want to follow a ketogenic diet, uh, they know that I'm not the resource. I'm not going to be the person. They, they, they're they going to spend the time looking for the gospel according to whoever is spreading the word of, of, <laughs> yeah, of the ketogenic yeah, yeah. diet. Uh, and, and and the same goes for intermittent fasting or uh, like the vegan diet is a little bit different because, I mean, I have worked with elite athletes that, that implement uh, a vegan diet and I've enjoyed that process mainly because they've done it for non-nutrition related reasons. Okay. And it makes my life a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and whether it be because of ethical reasons or because of climate change, I can, I can deal with that. And it's, it, it's, it's a, it's much easier to educate somebody over the potential, um, blind spots or the potential deficiencies. If you, if you don't, let's say supplement or don't really, really, really watch what, what you're eating, uh, and plan what you're eating. So that's the easy part. Um, that I suppose, uh, nutrition is one of those things, like we said, that there's so many resources out there that we are going to continue to, I don't want to say debate, but we're going to continue to search for solutions and we're going to search for ways where our diet um, continues to evolve. Uh, and And I don't think there's anything wrong with the evolution of of practice, but I think it's really important to understand, okay, we don't know everything, but we know we know enough to know if we live like this in general, we'll be fine. I guess the question about uh, my my own practice is that I suppose personally speaking, the growth in my own nutrition on a very personal level has changed through the evolution of my cooking skills. Um, so taking an approach towards a pescatarian or fish-based dishes or a vegan diet or really, really varying the foods that I eat all comes down to your skills. And it's very, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's certainly easier if you live beside the happy pair. Uh, or you live yeah. close to where these foods are going to be provided to implement that. The, the, it's completely different if you want to implement something like that and you don't have good cooking skills. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, again, where the pitfalls, that's where the challenges are around meeting your protein intake. But I, I, I think when you talk about, and you talk about knowledge, you talk about habits, and you talk about skills, there's so much to be gained from the investment of time in skills. And it's, it's really, really hard to measure that. You know, it's really hard to say to somebody, you spend the time setting up your kitchen and your home in a way that produces an environment for an efficient cooking and enjoyable cooking experience. 
it's very hard to say well, that's going to end up in you being leaner and lifting heavier and being stronger. But I've actually seen that transpire to happen and to be the case. Yeah. But uh, it's such big picture thinking uh, that it takes a people a long time to accept it. And I think people, people continue to look in the wrong places for those quick solutions. And when there's so many people talking about short term solutions, it's easy to get lost in all that. Well, guys, just a little break from the show to remind you that today I'm chatting with another one of the great Irish Daniels of our time, along with me and Daniel O'Donnell, Daniel Davey, performance nutritionist and author of the book, Eat Up, Raise Your Game. If you want to learn more about anything we're covering in this episode, you can get in touch with the team at podcast at primal.ie, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at primalpro, P-R-Y-M-A-L-P-R-O, and everything we mentioned will be available in the show notes over at www.primal.ie forward slash Daniel Davey. We'll also include a link to Daniel's book if you'd like to pick up a copy. Absolutely. Yeah. It goes back to the previous conversation we had there on cause and effect. Very hard to see the effect for these, the, the, the self-investment. Um, and just on that point as well, I, I only just started listening to the audio book. So again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here and there's not expert or anything like that at all. But The War of Art. Have you heard of the book The War of Art? I have. I have it on my Audible list. I, I'm only a, a chapter in and I can already tell I'm going to enjoy it. But it speaks about resistance a lot. This in, inherent resistance to, to change to anything that on the outside might seem difficult. Now, it might not be difficult, but it's something I speak about a lot as well. And I, I put it in the context of things that I do on a daily basis that are very, very simple. I talk about days that I mightn't have programmed for training, just going and doing something, even if you don't feel like it. And I could be sitting in my kitchen and there's a pull-up bar in my garden and I'm looking at the pull-up bar and it's gorgeous day outside and there's a huge level of this resistance and I don't know where it's coming from. All I have to do is walk outside and do one pull-up and that'll break the inertia. And I struggle to do it. But doing it, is, a, is almost like a landslide, a snowball effect, and all of a sudden you've done, you've been in movement, you feel better, you do something else, all of a sudden it's a massively productive day, as opposed to the decision between going and doing the pull-up and not doing the pull-up could be the difference between a really productive day, that could be a really productive week, that could change your life, if you want to have, have grand ideas, or sitting doing nothing, and nothing changes, and you feel bad about yourself, and then maybe you have a Mars bar, and then it, it's kind of, it's, it, it, Every decision every day is the diff could be the difference between a really, really happy and good and healthy and uh, successful in your head life or a miserable life, I suppose. And that, that resistance when you're when you were speaking there, that's what I constantly hear is that resistance. And when you speak to people, not just in food, but in all walks of life, that resistance is, is obvious to see with everybody. But someone like yourself or anybody who has overcome that resistance in any shape or form, when you start to develop an understanding of that, it becomes a little bit easier to make those changes. So for example, setting up the kitchen um, or, or embarking on a new physical health journey or reading a book or starting a new job, whatever it might be, I think. So it is, it's very, very interesting. And obviously food, as I said, is, is such a central part of everybody's life. It's very, very topical. I actually just a very quick comment. Um, I, I, it's been really interesting uh, going through my, you know, meeting different people uh, through my clinic over the last couple of years. The people who have bought into the idea of the big picture and creating this pattern of self-awareness and being more clued into their their cues, whether it be in their environment or, or you know, we, we the people talk a lot about why, but really starting to understand their own body and understand what they what motivates them. Those are people I'm still in contact with. And I'm I, like I they have never gone back. Yeah. 
they've never gone back to being really pedantic. They and like this sounds again, it sounds it's it's the truth. It doesn't like it sounds cliche, but they just enjoy the experience so much and it has taken so much pressure off them that they that they they've they've said to me they're different people because of it. And what's really and then and then what what's really sort of challenging then is that they'll say to their friend, they'll say, you know, you should go and speak to Daniel. He might help you with your nutrition. And maybe six months or maybe a year later, that person will end up in my office or end up in my clinic. And they'll come in the door and they'll have heard the person talk positively about their experience. And there'll be, again, the expectation of something special. And I do believe that because I live and breathe what I do and I feel so strongly about it, it's like you asking me to speak to you, uh, you know, <laughs> in person. There is a different feeling that you get. You you, start, you 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 get it a little bit more. But because I'm not presenting something that's aligned to what their expectations were, it's extremely difficult for some people to buy into that. Yeah. And that's what is really difficult about the industry when you really know what works and you're saying the same thing and then people are like yeah but where's my meal plan yeah where yeah. where no i i know you're saying all of this good stuff about you know change and reviewing and process and enjoyment and setup and you know how you how you sleep and hydration and that's all great but can you just give me a meal plan i'm going I'm going, all right, so for the last hour, we've talked about how you can potentially live such a better life, but they're not ready to step on that path, you know? Yeah, yeah. and it almost becomes preachy. You almost feel like you're becoming a preacher then of this gospel. I'm very, he now, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a professional in any specific field. I'm trying to diversify my understanding of all these different fields, but... I feel when I have a conversation with somebody, whether it was a client or a friend or a family member, and I'm 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 very careful about how I try and phrase things because I'm hyper aware in my head that all this person is hearing, they're seeing my lips moving and all they're hearing is, I'm great, I'm great, do what I do, I'm great. Can you not see? Can you not see? This is the way to do it. And all in their head, they're repeating this mantra, sure, that's not me. I can't do that. And I've often said there's a lot of great advice comes from people like yourself and people I talked on the podcast. And I know there's people sitting there going, so Daniel, I can't do that. I don't have time for that, man. I have a job or kids or, 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 or all these. I can't do that. And I'm sure you're sitting there thinking this is the most important part of your life. It's your, your, your not just your diet. This is your well-being. And that encompasses the decisions you make, the mindset you have. And it's sometimes can become frustrating to to uh, to not be able. I feel like sometimes I can't deliver the message effectively enough, and I need to go to people like yourself or only so you're Robbie Ben or any of these guys, because you have a, a a way you've learned a way obviously to be able to deliver that message much more effectively. But I I I, I re it resonates very strongly with me what you're saying there, and it is it's something you have to be careful with nowadays as well because everybody, as you said, has a platform. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a voice, and it's very very easy to become trapped in this. You could be typecast very quickly as the guy. The the he's just the, the sports nutrition guy. So what does he know about wellness or mental health or sleep or anything like that? And I know you've touched on the point that you're not claiming to be a sleep expert or a mental health expert, 
but what you do, I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase here. Robbie Bennett, who was one of Owen's colleagues, was from the ISI, was on, and he mentioned um, there is a quote from somebody who says every illness, every ailment that humans have is in some way linked to food. Now, whether it be your attitude around food or the food you're ingesting or, or, or the, 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 the macro micronutrients of it all, whatever, everything. That's a massively powerful statement to me. If you can bring everything back to, to food, which is essentially how you're fueling your body, it's, it's worth listening to. Mm. Uh, and again, that's why I do this podcast. It's to try, because when you're speaking to me, I find it inspirational to talk to people like you and your message resonates with me because I've had that little taste of of something working and then you feel better and when you feel better you never want to go a step back it's like a ratchet strap you've taken you've one little click on the ratchet strap you don't want to go back you just want the next little click and the next little click and it's not you mentioned to me it's never you're never done you never win it's never game over complete you've won you're super every successful person or non-successful person on their deathbed says the same thing i wish i had done this i wish i had done that so it's never done but there is a way to achieve a daily happiness a daily happiness and a daily feeling of I'm doing okay and, and and then hopefully being in a position where you can help the next person in your group or your chain feel the exact same way. Um, with that in mind and that point in mind, what inspired you to write a book then? To, 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 was, was this another, because first of all, I don't, I don't do recipe books and stuff like that, but your book is constantly open for some reason on my sideboard at home and I'm constantly cooking from it and I don't know why it is because I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I don't do recipe books, I just cook whatever's, and I'm not a good cook, I'm not a bad cook, I'm able to, to, to keep myself alive, but it's, it's a, a very accessible way, I think, and, and for me being a, a, a football player as well, you have your, your low carb options, your training day options, it, it's, it's made it really easy for me just to have a quick glance through it, that's what I want to do today. Um, but what inspired you to, to want to put some of this stuff down in, in, in a medium like a book? Because I know, and I've never written a book, but I know it's, uh, you'll probably tell us now, it's not an easy thing to do to write a book. No, it's extremely daunting. And uh, I, I've i said this uh, openly that while maybe back in 2014, 15, I would have put down ideas for a book, you need to be at a particular state uh, sorry, stage in your life where you're ready with, for what comes with it, and you need an, an uh, you need a, an a level of uh, confidence, and even even then, when you have a level of self confidence that you're you're uh, presenting positive messages, you're still unsure, and uh, it was amazing how the whole process made me reflect so much about um you were saying why but why why I, I am who I am and why I do what I do and the whole journey to getting to the point of writing the book and you know there's a there's we 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 are made up by the people who have influenced us along the way and the sharing experience, I can't, I can't really emphasize it enough. Um, whether it be sharing food, sharing information, sharing stories, that's what I enjoy. Like that's my inspiration. And when I see and hear other people uh, in my field or in other fields sharing ideas and sharing their expertise to help people, that inspires me. So ultimately there was an interest um, 
in in my recipes and in my food and it's is i'm glad to you hear the words accessible and simple being associated with it it's uh, it's not dressed up it is easy to do and it is very functional and over time and even since i've written the book it's the the, the meals have evolved and that's what i talk about you know yeah. earlier it's uh, the, the every single one of the recipes that i've written in that book are better over the la- since since it was published because i've evolved them yeah yeah so it was about the idea of 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 identity um getting to the point where i was happy to share my story and i suppose it's become about something completely different even since the book has been published it's become a lot more about uh, also I know this sounds strange, I, I, and and being from Ireland, I've, I, you, this is you become very self conscious very quickly. But I also feel like I want to inspire people from my home or people around me to to do the same thing and to share more of their own ideas and not to be afraid uh, to do that. Yeah, I have one bone to pick with you, and it could be me. The prep times and cook times in the book. <laughs> I met your favorite recipe. My favorite recipe in your book is the red Thai curry. Unbelievable food. Yeah. There was no way that's a 40 minute. Ten, it was a 10 or 20 minute prep time and 30 minute cook time. Yeah. Unless I'm doing something seriously wrong here. Well, well, I'll put it to you this way. It's edible after 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen it known as sweet potato to be cooked in 25 minutes. Yeah. Uh, actually, I have a hack in that. Have you? Um, yeah, I'd be delighted to I, learn I, it. I do. Um, so... I've started to pre-cook the, sorry, not pre-cook, but uh, to oven cook the sweet potato um, for 20 minutes. Uh, sorry, I hit that there. Uh, for 20 minutes while uh, the curry is cooking. I tried that the last time. Yeah. Much better. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> yeah. It makes a big difference. Yeah, delicious recipe though. Um, and since the book now, you have another project, uh, your website, I think you were mentioning to me. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what the story is with the website? So I thought the book was... Uh, 18 months of hard work. The website is a different uh, different, different sort of animal altogether. What I've tried to do is I've tried to scale the book. So I, I, I've tried to create more layers to what the book embodies and what the book presents or, or, or what people get from the book. So the concept around the book is exercise recipes and, and rest day recipes. Whereas I've put in a third component into the website that's intense exercise recipes. Okay. So for athletes who are training intensely in any given days, you've got the option of of choosing or filtering recipes uh, depending on their carbohydrate and fiber and protein, fat, those type of things. Um, the other thing that uh, I've done is, and, and I never, uh, back in 2014, I tried to build the same concept um, under the other brand, Food Flickr, but it wasn't actually possible to create a website with the level of flexibility where you were able to slide in and slide out recipes into different meal plans. And my whole thing is about flexibility yeah. and fluidity within nutrition so that you have the ability to change recipes up and that it doesn't become boring. So it is only very recently that uh, I, I was able to get access to the software that would allow me to do that within meal plans on my website. So there's meal plans and I'm trying to 
add as much resources around articles and video that I that I can now too. So how how does it work? So for example, if I, I if it's it's individualized, so I would sign up and obviously enter in some metrics. Do I need to come and meet you, or do, is it all done through through the website? Uh, okay, so really simply, there's two layers to the website. There's recipes, which are all for free, and you can all you need to do is put in your email address, and you get access to the to the filter system of the recipes. And then the subscription base is access to a performance calculator that allows you to calculate your need for energy and macronutrients. And then you can figure out what your calories are, what your macros are, depending on the the filter system. So then you've got the information. So let's say for me, it's 3000 calories. It's 300 grams of carbs, whatever, 180 grams of protein. And then you have, I've got meal plans that are, that that I've created and my team have created and you can look at those meal plans and see which meal plan suits you so you can pick one of them and then you can delete recipes within that and then you can you can choose recipes from the recipe page favorite them and then you can save them to your favorites and slide them into your meal plans okay. so they're fully customizable brilliant yeah one of the things, social media for me is a funny one because I'm, I'm, I'm very, very aware of the, and I'm going to say the dangers of social media. And it's, maybe it's an overstatement, but there's a lot of people who use social media. It's a tool like anything else. They use it the wrong way. Um, and I, I, I'm one of those people who, if, I, if it gets a hold of me, it's very, very easy to, to slip into an hour of mindless scrolling. And, and that's kind of a common theme nowadays with a lot of people. But your social media... I actually think, and again, it's easy for me to say this when you're sitting in front of me and it's, it sounds like blowing smoke, but it's very, very helpful. It's very useful because when you say, for example, embark on a journey to improve your cooking or your, your physical health or whatever, and you, you have a resource like a book or something like that, you read the book and you put it down and then it's gone. But if people are tuning in, you, you're very, very active on social media, particularly on the stories with different recipes and ideas and in communication with, with other, other people who will be talking about similar concepts and ideas. And it, it constantly refreshes in your mind that today is another day where you can learn to cook or today is another day. Where you, what, was, was this kind of something you, you had in your mind before? You, you, obviously, when you're, when you're launching a book or, or a website or involved in this kind of stuff, social media is an important tool to use nowadays. But did you know that you're going to have this kind of effect on people where you would be basically in their kitchen with them every single day explaining today's recipe. What one, And you're sharing your personal life as well because this is you're eating this food that you're cooking. You're not in some studio cooking this stuff up and then heading off home. This is what you eat. You're, you're practicing what you preach on social media. So it's a very, it is a refreshing approach. I know I mentioned influencers. Some people would call you an influencer in the nutritional world on social media, but from what I've seen, it's it's extremely positive because your message is, this is this is good for you. This is what I do. I'm 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 doing what I'm telling you to, or asking you to, to to be involved in. But was that in your head when you started down this road with the social media presence? Oh geez, uh, this is a it's a it's a very simple question to answer, but it's a very it took me a long time to get to this simple response. Okay. If, if that makes yeah, sense, it does make sense. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had absolutely no idea. Yeah, um, and I. I'm going to go back to my childhood. When I did the stupid stuff growing up, shaving off my eyebrow, you know, crashing my mother's new car when I wasn't even insured, when I wore a red and a blue sock when I was playing football and everyone thought I was an absolute idiot. On purpose? 
On purpose, yeah. Oh, I did the most ridiculous <laughs> stuff. When I wore a hairband when I was playing Gaelic football, like stuff where you're going, what were you thinking? I, I, w- I grew up in a non-judgmental home. Okay. And one of the things I've been able to do quite well throughout my life at different stages is invest in the people who uh, matter to me. And those people become my, my main soundboards. And they've never let me down. You know, they've yeah. never been, they, they've, I know this sounds, I, I, using so many things that I sound like, it sounds so American, but <laughs> they, they take the piss out of me, but they don't criticize me. Yeah. And that gives me enormous freedom to be who I am. So the social media thing, when it started, I was criticized and it was new and people were like, what are you doing? And like, I even had messages sent to me by mistake from people I knew when the whole thing started going, would you believe what he's at now? Jesus. So I read all of that stuff and I just thought, you know, screw him. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I am who I am and... There's something that's really important, and I've, I've, I've said it now probably, maybe this is the third time, it's why you're doing something. And if your reasons are to genuinely help people and communicate a message, it's easy to go back to that when criticism comes to your door. You know, I am, I am do, trying to do, and I will make mistakes, and people make mistakes, but even when I do, when I present a dish, I'm doing it because I think somebody else could learn something from it. And I've learned something as well from working in elite sport and, and uh, I'm going to drop a big name here uh, and, and, and I don't, uh, unashamedly <laughs> drop it. The thing that I, I've learned more from Jim Gavin than I've learned from, from, from anybody really is the power of repetition. And I, as a young practitioner, uh, I, 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 I've said this before that what used to keep me awake at night was trying to figure out what the hell am I going to do next to be innovative? And it put an awful lot of pressure on me, you know, and I, and I put that pressure on myself in my career. I put it on every aspect of my lifestyle. And then you realize actually when you see somebody like Jim and what he does to create excellence is repetition, that you realize there's nothing wrong with repetition. That is something that can be infinitely powerful. And then you start to see, wow, the people who have achieved some of the greatest things in the world, what they done, what they did was they had a vision. They had a vision for what they were trying to create, but they reapplied the same principles repeatedly day on day. Mm. So when I repeat something, and I get, and I have got the criticism about the lack of variety or you're doing this again. I'm like, honestly, that's fine. If you don't want to make granola today, that's okay. I am. And if somebody else wants to watch it, I'm going to be doing it for them. Yeah, yeah. You could almost almost rephrase that as habit as well. Gen- creating or generating good habits, again, which is something that I, I, I'm quite strong on too. I'm actually reading the book at the moment, recommended by a friend of mine, uh, The the Greatest Salesman in the World. Did you ever hear of it? No. Ogmandino. Actually, Irish Roots, the, the author has. But it's essentially, you know, it's about being a salesman. Well, I have no interest in being a salesman, but it's it's based on the principle of generating good principles 
and repeating those principles over and over and over again until they become habit. And then the, the power of that habit is so so strong that you will then learn how to first of all establish what are the things that are important to you. You've just you've just very nicely summed up there that you believed in doing things a certain way, you had certain feelings, you followed those, you repeated, 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 and it ended up in what's at the moment an absolutely fantastic career and, and, and a really great message. And it's the same on any level. You have to, okay, you have bad habits there, so you have to deal with the bad habits, but generate good, positive habits and reinforce them over and over again. And I think just on that social media note we were talking, the unfortunate thing nowadays is you're getting external messages, especially if you're younger, that what you're doing is not the right way, but what I'm doing is the right way because I'm big or tall or have a six pack or have all these cars or a great house or whatever it might be. And that's the challenge I see from most people nowadays is to cut through that noise, uh, which is I have to do it every single day. I have to get up and reaffirm to myself, what is it that I actually want? Do I, do I want to go in and do a podcast today? Am I doing this because I want Daniel Davy in the studio or am I doing this because I want to have a conversation about this kind of stuff because it's important to me? And I don't really care because I have had people and I mean, we're not we're not huge, but I've had people message me and say, I don't really like your content. Like, oh, that's fine. Don't listen to it. And then I have to go home and think, do I like my content? Yes. Well, then I'm going to keep doing it. But that's a very, very difficult conversation to have with yourself, because if anybody else says it to you, it doesn't matter if you respect them or don't respect them. It's very hard to ignore that. Um, but I think that that's that identity, that sense of identity, and then reinforcing that with with repetition, as you call it, or habit, is massively important. Yeah, and 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 also the reason I mentioned my support network uh, is because we aren't robots, um, and we very much can become uh, I, 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 vulnerable. Seems str a strong word, but we're not always going to have the resistance and the resilience. And that's when we do need to have very strong people around us that we can bounce this stuff off. And that builds up your resistance again. Yeah. So it's not like I'm not fallible. It's not at all. It's that I have the people around me that I can say, would you believe? And I can send a screenshot to, and I can, you know, it's, it's just, you can, you can laugh about it. And that's, yeah. that's important. Surround yourself with good people. Mm. Okay. Well, I've taken up enough of your time today. Just a few quick ones before we go. What's, what's, Lovely. what's next for Daniel Davy? Another All-Ireland for the Doves. Yeah. I, I well, um, interestingly throughout the last particular, uh, I'm going to say eight weeks, I've, I, everyone is saying it, but I have learned an awful lot about what I enjoy. And, I love working with elite athletes. I love seeing what they're capable of doing. I love how adaptable and resilient they are. And I love helping them to perform. So that, that's that been um, something that I want to continue to do. There's no question about it. Uh, I want to... I, 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 I've only realized very recently that I, I haven't figured out a better word. For, maybe you can give me a word. What's a better word for mentoring? Mentoring yeah. in what context now? In, in well, I have some nutrition, yeah, upcoming nutritionists. Up and coming nutritionists. Yeah, mentoring, yeah. I'd say, encompasses I, a pretty yeah. Way. I, I, I'm trying to find a different way of putting this, but there are some, you know, there's there's two really good young nutritionists that are working with me at the moment, and I want to help them become like absolutely world class nutritionists. Yeah. And I found that very empowering. Okay. Um, and uh, almost like a spiritual guide and an ayahuasca journey or something like that. Helping well, them discover the, their own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, re you know 
helping people realize their potential is an incredibly fulfilling thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it was very much in the athlete space that I got my kicks where in All-Ireland finals and seeing players perform to the level that they did and, and Champions Cups and things like that. And it like it is modify it is changing. Uh, uh, there's one thing, I, and I think if I say it, and I don't say it very often, I think if I say it, it might be something that happens down the line and I can always say, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> it can be on record. But you heard it here first. It had a, yeah. So I absolutely do want to work in elite sport and I want to continue to work in elite sport, uh, even on a, on a world level. Who, who or what team that is, I'm not sure. But I want to create an experience for somebody like the, the book. Like the book was, you know, I handed over my philosophy but I have this idea, like I walked in here today and got a sense very quickly of what you must be about. Yeah. You know, a little bit of insight. I'm I, nervous now. <laughs> no, 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 it's very similar. I would like people to be able to step into a, a health cafe whereby they learn something every time they step inside the door and they see the life cycle or how food is produced so almost like here's where it's grown this is how it's manufactured and then they see it actually yeah. cooked on front of their eyes so it's the full life cycle and then it's almost like you come in this one way you have the food and as you go out it's almost like well here are the ambassadors of the people who have lived this way and what they've achieved wow yeah and that is a long-term ambition at some point where I can people can walk in and experience what that feels like. That's an amazing concept. Hopefully now it's it, it'll uh, it'll it'll materialize and not before you get your hands on it. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Look, Daniel, it, it's it's been a real pleasure to, to speak to you and to hear not a different side to to, to the usual story, but a, a little bit more behind the motivations behind this kind of stuff. Because as I said at the very start. People are familiar with you and your work, and, and people understand the, the the kind of the outside looking in. You're part of elite performance, and everyone nutrition is a very big part of that. But the motivations behind these things, and the motivation behind you running your life the way you do, uh, and somebody making a decision tomorrow to to change their life, to eat a little bit healthier, or to achieve their goals, whatever those goals might be, it's it, it requires, I think, a conversation like this sometimes to to be able to put that context on it because it's very. I know. I know it's very difficult in a five-minute soundbite to get that across or even when a client comes to see you or when you're in front of a team. It can be difficult, but in my opinion, you've done a fantastic job so far. As I said, it's the only cookbook that ever lies open on my uh, on my, my desktop, so it must be working. Um, but it genuinely has been very, very refreshing and an absolute pleasure to chat to you. So um, just for people who may not be following you sure. at the moment, yeah. uh, wh where can people find you at the moment? Uh www.davynutrition.com and it's so funny like everybody thinks my name is Dave or David <laughs> uh, but no Davy is my second name um, so that's why I chose that Daniel Nutrition just did not sound right and I'm at Davy Nutrition online lovely stuff Daniel thank you very much again and uh, best of luck in the future hopefully we'll chat to you soon thank you very much for having me boom and that's today's episode guys if you want to get in touch with Daniel or the team here at Primal, or if you have any questions, you can just head over to www.primal.ie forward slash Daniel Davey for all the links, the show notes, and the contact details. And we'll have a link to Daniel's book there as well. There are some cracking recipes in there to try out. 
And guys, if you enjoyed the show and if you want to hear more, give us a follow at Primal Pro, P-R-Y-M-A-L-P-R-O on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe yourself to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, guys. See you on the next one. Up the dubs.